Welcome to the Sons of Technology Clubhouse. Ditch your fear at the door, take a risk, and enjoy the ride with your hosts, Joe Marquez and Kyle Anderson. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the podcast by Sons of Technology. We have quite a few great educators here surrounding us at the uh, at the clubhouse today around the table. So we just definitely want to make sure you all can uh, see who's here and, and li- listen to us. Today is actually going to be something very special. We know that the end of the year is coming up for a lot of us educators, and we know that some of our years uh, can be great. Some of the years can be a little bit trying, and, and sometimes we, you know, look back in the past and have this retrospective idea of how did we get here? And then sometimes you listen to podcasts and you wonder, you know, how, how did those educators get there? So because we're coming to the end of the year and because, you know, the summer movie season is all about heroes and, and um, Marvel superheroes, DC superheroes, we kind of wanted to have an episode called heroes and origins. Who were our heroes uh, as we were growing up? that inspired us to change the world and what are what are the origins that we have in the educational space how did we become educators what was our path to get there so we definitely want to have that great conversation with everybody today uh quick introduction my name is joe marquez i'm an educator from the central valley and you can follow me on the twitters at joe marquez seven zero and as always my partner in crime kyle go ahead and introduce yourself they have how are we doing everybody this is kyle anderson from reno carson city nevada special education teacher you can find me on the twitters at anderson edtech and then you can ha- check out my blog at andersonedtech.net and like you said we definitely got lots of great educators with us this morning so let's go around the table and introduce ourselves all right uh my name is katherine goyette i am uh an educator uh Actually, EdTech consultant for a county office currently from uh, Central California as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore Goyette and uh, check out my blog at wonderexplorelearn.com. Adam Wattis here, uh, tech integration coach and history teacher out here in Central California. You can find me on the Twitters at, at techcoachwattis and on my website, techcoachwattis.com. And I'm Corey Coble. I teach seventh grade science up near Sacramento, California. And you can find me on Twitter at CVRScience7. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Jesus Huerta. I'm a fifth grade teacher in El Central California. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, JesusH1979. Or I have a new website that I made with Paul Gordon. It's uh, easy as 123D.org. Um, lots of awesome stuff for 3D printing on there. So if you guys want to check that out. That's awesome. Jesus, the, the king of 3D printing. You know, uh, Jesus, I thought of you last night when I was walking through Farmer's Market down here in, in Clovis, and I walked by the Fresno County Library booth, and they had a flyer that shows over the summer, the Fresno County Library is going to be giving free 3D printing and 3D design courses to teenagers around the valley. And I thought, you know what, Jesus, uh, I think would have a great a perspective on that. So, hey, so that's real quick before we get started. You know, what do you think about public libraries, you know, starting to do some of these STEM activities, especially in communities or places where maybe they don't have these uh, activities in, in the school? I think it's, it's, I've heard of, t- of librarians wanting to do that. I think it's awesome because they have the space now 
um, as they move more towards digital books and some of these older books, they're, you know, retiring them, putting them away or just donating and getting rid of them. I know like our library has a huge space and that librarian's already talking about making it a maker space. Um, one of the things that I would always suggest is start with something simple get kids started with, you know, the basics like popsicle sticks. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's hard, I think, to get into the classroom because some teachers are, you know, they're hesitant to jump in with like Flipgrid. They're going to be real hesitant about 3D printing. So if they have a space and it's public and it's free, I think it's awesome. And I actually presented, was it Wednesday? No, Thursday um, to a bunch of um, sixth, seventh and eighth graders. And all of them were like, well, how do I get this? How much is this? And I, ta I always talk about prices, not because I, I sell them, but because they're so inexpensive. And I asked the kids, well, how much is your PS4 cost? Oh, well, this is less than a PS4. And some kids came by with paper and they're like, can I write down the information? Can you give me some contact information? I want my parents to call you. And I, I gave them my, my Twitter stuff and my email. I don't want to give my cell phone number. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jesus, you're also doing a course or, or at least a couple sessions at the Krauss Center of Innovation uh, this, uh, this coming month, correct? Yeah, actually a week from today. <clears throat> I'll be up in... Um, I don't know the area, so I'm gonna be up there no, in right. your guys' so, area, orange, area. orange sauce area. Is that is that? I think that's what uh, Ed Campos says. I so. <laughs> the um, the true Orange County. The true Orange County. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna do four sessions: one on beginners 3D printing, one on advanced, uh, one on game creation in the classroom, and one on music in the classroom if you don't have any instruments. So. Excellent. That's phenomenal. And, and I think this is incredibly important and educators do need that support uh, from uh, from educators like yourself, who is just going above and beyond and just looking for that next thing that's really going to get students engaged. So I really applaud you for that. And uh, Fresno County Public Library, I want to just give you a shout out as well. I think you're doing amazing things. I saw your summer list of things you're doing for the kids in this county. And um, I just really, you know, really uh, implore people, you know, support your public library, go out there, take your kids there, read your kids' books in the library, just get that love of books. Um, and and um, I, I think that's a great step towards getting kids really involved in education right off the bat. So just wanted to mention that real quick because that kind of warmed my heart walking through there and seeing that the county library had a booth because sometimes we just think of the library as obsolete now because everything can be found online, but that's absolutely not true. Now, um, I also wanted to give a shout out to one of the members of the Sons of Technology team, Kim Calderon. She won the Most Outstanding Teacher of the Year Award from CBQ. Well-deserved. Uh, so I just wanted to give her a shout out and say congratulations, Kim. Um, you're an inspiration to us all, and uh, those kids that you have uh, truly have something special in you. So congratulations, Kim. Now, today we really want to talk about our origins um, as educators, and we also want to talk about you know those those people in our lives that kind of either pushed us in the direction to become educators uh, or just inspired us to really never give up. And we all have these stories. And and Adam, I think you had a, a great analogy when we were talking about this. You know, we we're talking about what what should we do this week, uh, and we came up with this idea of heroes and origins. And and you you had a great perspective on you know superheroes in the books, they always have to go through trials and tribulations before they can really become a superhero. Like nobody, none, none of the people in, in these superhero books ever just wake up a superhero and say, I, you know, I'm, I'm perfect just the way I am and, and go forward and save the world. There, it's, there's always something that happened in their past or something that happened right after they got their past. There's always something that makes them second guess who they are. And, and, and it takes people around them to really lift them back up, become that true superhero. And, and I think we all have a story like that 
And I really wanted us to share that out because, you know, we, we interact with a lot of educators across you know, the United States. And um, some people may think, you know, you know, I, I hear a lot of times, you know, tech, well, technology comes easy to you or teaching comes easy to you. And we want to make sure that they know that we, we all go through things that aren't necessarily the best um, that in, in, in retrospect are what really helped us. Those hard times uh, prepared us to really help children, help kids uh, in the classroom. Um, and so because Adam, you had that great insight, I would love to start with you. And, and you know, we don't have to hold back. I know there are some times that, that, that you know, stories like this can get messy. Um, but, you know, just like when we had our fail episode, sometimes it really takes honesty to really say, like, this is what happened to me. This is why I have this drive to change the world. And this is why um, this is my why that keeps pushing me forward. So, Adam, I wanted to go ahead and start with you. Uh, who are some people in your past or instances in your past that were these people were heroes to you and really, you know, kind of guided you in a direction? And then, you know, what was the origin story for you to become an educator or become an ed tech coach? Well, kind of like that whole uh, superhero analogy I made, uh, me being such a, a nerd for, for, uh, for all things Marvel, um, part of the mythology, because I've read a lot of Marvel books and the origin stories there, and, you know, all the, the earthbound heroes, you know, when you read about it, like, they're, it's, it's kind of like a, they're, the way they, they set it up is like these alien races over the years have helped with human uh, evolution. And, um, and how like we have these, we all have this like superhero within us that we have this dormant gene that needs some kind of like traumatic experience or a, or like a, some kind of like a, a chemical injection that's going to unlock it. So if you look at many of the different like Marvel heroes, like Captain America had it within him until he got the, the injections. Captain Marvel was, had an explosion that gave her her powers. So that's kind of where I got that, um, I made that analogy. So I think as educators, we all have that within us, and it's there's got to be those those moments that kind of unlock that dormant gene within us and allow us to do amazing things. But for me, um, kind of goes back to my early childhood. I've always been surrounded by educators. Being an educator was probably always in the cards. But I mean, there's being an educator, and then there's one who's really passionate. And and um, for me, growing up in the locker room at Fresno State football being around so many inspirational coaches and seeing how they would get the, get the best out of, out of players. Like they, Fresno State being a mid-major Division I program doesn't get the, the four or five-star recruits. They, they've, they've always been good at seeing potential and then growing them into, in, into becoming great players and guys who have gone to the NFL. I, I, I witnessed that growing up. Um, and Probably one of uh, former the the late head coach Jim Sweeney was a huge influence on me. Just the way he would he motivate people and that that kind of well, he was a huge role model in getting me to kind of want to motivate other people. You know, just to to want to be uh, to be lifelong learners. And one of the players that actually kind of kickstarted my whole journey as an educator. He's a, a old teammate of our of our good buddy John Carippo. His name is Stephen Baker. He played for many years for the New York Giants. Actually caught the uh, touchdown in the Super Bowl. Um, still, probably by far my favorite Fresno State football player. And he always, you know, I'm no, I'm a little kid. He would always treat me just like I, I was like his own flesh and blood. And 
let me run a skateboard through the locker room stuff. And I'll never forget a uh, a uh, an interview he did for for Channel Twenty Six back in the eighties that they featured on a halftime, where he talked about what he wanted to do with his life, and he always talked about how he wanted to work with kids. And for some reason, that interview has been ingrained in my brain ever since, and has kind of pushed me in the direction. Okay. I'm surrounded by educators, but this really motivates me. I mean, he was like, he was like a god, a hero to me. And I, I wanted to be like him. So that, that kind of pushed me in that direction. Um, but going back to my uh, my superhero analogy, um, I had to have those traumatic moments that really unlocked who, my, my potential as an educator. And it, it was a real watershed moment, probably when I first became a tech coach, I mean, that came out of nowhere. But it coincided with so many different things in my life. I mean, I was, I'd been teaching for about 10 years. I pretty much had my, I, I was hell-bent on being the greatest high school girls soccer coach the world had ever seen. I had had some, some good success doing that. Um, I was built in a program at a Rossi High School, um, and it was, that's what I was going to do. I was going to be there. I had, you know, coworkers said, hey, man, they're, they're going to name the stadium after you when you retire. And, you know, that that was my goal. And lo and behold, the good Lord had other plans for me because all this time I'm getting this started. I have all this momentum. I'm excited about it. Then they offered me the tech coach job. And that the, the change in responsibilities and duties and hours, it took away from my from my ability to be a proper coach. A soccer coach and so there's all this flux in my life and this coincided with having you know three young children in the house and on top of all that my 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 marriage was breaking down it was spiraling out of control it was I mean the writing had been on the wall for a while but I'm dealing with a new job I'm dealing with trying to build this program I'm frustrated as hell because the, the, my players weren't coming along as fast as I wanted to and my personal life was just in straight turmoil. And it was all these things were just going around and around. And then there was a series of miscommunications between administration and myself. And they removed me from, from the soccer coaching job. Um, pretty much my players actually had a mutiny on me, a, a, a practical mutiny. And, you know, so I'm dealing with this and, you know, um, all this horrible stuff, you know, professionally. And then my dad has a heart attack and I got to deal with that. And, you know, all, all the while my, my marriage was just down the toilet and, you know, worried about how that's affecting my, my young kids and all this stuff. And eventually after a year of 2015 was a, was hell, absolute hell. And I got, into 2016, my marriage had finally come to an end. We it separated, and I had come to terms with I'm not coaching soccer anymore. I kind of said, you know what, I need to put that behind me. To focus on, on my children, on my tech coaching. So when when my 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 first wife and I finally separated, you know, I, I mean, it's the lowest point of my life. I mean, I had no clue what I'm going to do. So I that's when I decided, okay. I need to, to self-medicate. So I self-medicated by burying myself in into my job. You know, I, I had slowly 
started, you know, building myself up on Twitter and I started seeing, you know, through my feed, all these different call for presenters for different, for different events. And I said, you know, what? I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring. I'm just going to apply to all these different things. And, you know, and just, I started applying and applying and applying. All of a sudden I started getting, I started uh, getting accepted and that started building my confidence. And I started going out and presenting at different places. And it was through that, that I met Catherine and, and together, you know, I, you know, without meeting her, I, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have taken my, my teaching practice to, to the next level because she helped open some doors for me, opened my eyes and, and reminded me that I'm, that you're pretty good at what you do and you need to share this and keep on sharing and introduce me to a few more people. And this, I, at the same time, this is when I first started working with, with Ed Campos and, and then the partnership that him and I had. And it, I, I'm not going to, you know, meet up with either of them if I don't bury myself in the work. I tried to try to ignore the horrible crap that was going on in my life. And well, as I started burying myself in the work, I met these two people that completely changed my life personally and professionally. And I'm sitting here today, three years later, because, you know, I guess you could say my job, like, it saved my life. Like, I was spiraling out of control. Um, I was to a point where, you know, the nights that I was in my house, I, I mean, I had a 2,500-square-foot house, two stories, huge house, huge lot, and I was separated from my wife originally, and the nights that the kids were with her, I'm in this huge house by myself, and it was, it was depressing. I honestly would go through two bottles of wine by myself, and I'm like, man, I, I can't do this. I, I can't do this, and that's when I decided I'm going to apply to present. I'm going to apply to present. I'm going to get on every Twitter chat I can, and that's where these relationships kind of started with a lot of you guys here, and it just, it saved me, and it, and I started feeling more confident, and I'm presenting here, I'm presenting there, I'm meeting new people, and, you know, it, it just kind of snowballed, it just built upon itself, and, you know, three years later, um, I'm a regular now presenting at ISTE, at Q, I get paid to do this stuff now, and to the point where we're, we're, we're working on starting a, a business, and, you know, my, my, I get to, to travel now for, for, for something that I love in my, uh, I get to bring my kids with me now. It's just, um, it's been a, ro a whirlwind, but like many Marvel superheroes, I had to go through this traumatic experience just to kind of, uh, unlock, you know, my, my, my full potential. Thanks, Adam. That's, that's amazing. You know, and, and, and hopefully people, when, they, when they're listening to that, you know, it, it really opens up their eyes. You know, when you're presenting, you know, you're you're presenting based upon, you know, that push, right, that you've you've learned these past three years and that, you know, that, you know, you you couldn't do it alone. Right. You 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 have you have these friends, um, you have these, you know, confidants that you uh, gather with that really um, kind of exponentially make you a better person. Right. And, and we have to know that as educators. Right. We can't do it alone. You know, if, if you're trying to do everything by yourself, create the best lesson you can by yourself, we're not doing it right. We need to feed off each other. We need to have that that person that that we can bounce things off of. And, you know, and, and I really implore those listening, you know, if, if you don't have that person on your campus, find that person in your district. It doesn't have to be someone at your school. Find that person online. 
you know, the, the, you know, borders don't matter anymore. You know, like Kyle and I, you know, we're, we're, you know, super far apart. A Adam and Kat from Kyle and we're super far apart, but, but we always try to find that time to really get inspired from each other. So, so Adam, thank you so much for, 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 you know, letting us in to your mindset and to your growth. Um, I think it's really inspiring. Um, Kat, we'd love to hear from you as well. I mean, because we know you're part of Adam's story. So, you know, it, it'd be nice if you included him in, in your story as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, I guess there's the, the origin story going way back um, does not yet include Adam. But we may, we both grew up in Clovis. So it's possible we, you know, ran into each other at the park or something and don't remember <laughs> when we were kids. Tower Park. Tower Park. Yeah, we talked about what our favorite park was and everything. Um, but uh, when I first, I, I wasn't planning on going into teaching uh, my, originally. My parents are both educators, and I have high respect for them, but I kind of wanted to be my own person. You know, when you're a young adult, um, at least for me, I wanted to do my own thing. Uh, didn't want to copy my parents, be my own person. Um, and then I, uh, I got a degree in English. I ended up getting... Um, very sick at the end of college, right before graduating, um, came home with not really knowing what else to do. Um, so came back home to California, living with my parents, um, finding out I'm pregnant. <laughs> so my whole, uh, everything shifts, right? Like I just need to get a job, get myself well, um, figure out what to do. So um, I was offered a job from my out of private music school to teach and I and it was kind of just a desperate move like I don't know what else to do and uh, I discovered that not only did I love music but I loved teaching I loved seeing the students uh, eyes light up and have this love for, for continuing to learn so um, time goes on um, I end up getting my credential um, going into education, and my first year teaching is kindergarten, and I feel like I'm ready, man. I was considered this, you know, great music teacher at a private school where people are paying <laughs> to come, right? And uh, I was in my student teaching. I was told I had great classroom management, so I'm coming into a new school, and I'm like, I've got this. I'm ready. I'm coming in a little too confident, to be honest, because what happened was, I came to a school where teaching kindergarten, some of these kids got off the bus and had never heard English. And I didn't know Spanish. <laughs> so um, it was a very difficult year. Um, and uh, it was definitely not what I expected. I had a lot of difficult students. I had a student who would go under the table and um, cry because he was remembering the night that he saw his uncle killed um, by gang violence. Um, so it's just one of the issues that these kids were going through. So um, it was a very difficult year, and the fact, and my husband at the time was actually going through cancer, and we were buying a house, so it was like crazy. Um, but during that time, a hero to me was actually my next-door teaching partner, who had been teaching for a while, and we had lunch together literally every day, and she just supported me and helped me out um, to know that, like, I'm still making a difference, um, that I'm still reaching these kids, even though I feel every day when I go home that I don't really know if I am making, if I'm reaching them, if I'm making a difference. So um, 
I went along and, and continued uh, to teach. And uh, then um, I become a single mother. And so I started applying for admin jobs, which I wanted to go into administration. I wanted to make a bigger impact. Um, and I loved the administrative jobs that I, I had because I made some great relationships with those kids that uh, had difficulties connecting with teachers. Um, so that I really felt that that was um, a great time for me uh, as far as reaching, reaching some students. But, you know, I'm not getting the admin jobs. Principal jobs are not getting up. And I'm getting to the point as a single mom where I can't afford <laughs> I'm, I'm getting large, you know, more and more um, behind, right? Um, and so I applied for this job at Tulare County Office of Ed, and I don't even know what this job is, right? Like, I just, like, see the salary, and I'm like, well, that looks pretty good. I think that would help me out. It would help me and my son. I want to show him that, that like, we got this. Um, and so I applied for the job, and I'm totally not nervous because I don't even know what it is. Um, and it is, has ended up being the absolute best career move um, uh, ever uh, for me because I now work with educators and leaders in integrating technology into the classroom, among other things, which I really love. Um, during that time, uh, that first uh, summer when I got the job, I reached out to all the kind of tech leads in the in the county, um, Adam being one of them, and. Uh, just said, hey, I'm, I'm new in this position. I want to serve you. And so I need to know, like, what do you guys want? Um, and so what was, I went out to a school site um, and what was supposed to be like, I don't know, like a half hour meeting or something ended up being like, I don't know, what was it like, at least like three or four hours um, of us just talking about our passion for education and what we want to do, how we, we saw these heroes in our midst. We saw you, Joe as someone in the Central Valley that was doing these great things. We saw John Carippo in the Valley doing great things. There's so many, I mean, there's countless people. The, the amount of Google innovators in our Valley is, is amazing. And so we wanted to find a way to um, harness that uh, to help others and kind of build the collaboration. And so that's where CB Tech Talk was born, the Twitter chat that we um, have every week. Um, that's where we kind of came up with the idea of Tech Rodeo, which um, a couple of you have been to and, and has been an amazing uh, way for teachers to kind of get connected and learn more. And, um, and so uh, really that, that helped uh, just bring, um, bring everything together and allow me to, to together with Adam, really I feel like we're able to reach a lot more educators that way. And um, so I guess through my origin story, what um, inspires me to keep uh, wanting to impact educators is that I know uh, how difficult some of these teachers have it in their personal life and, and I wanna be there as a support. Um, I know how hard it was that first year uh, teaching for me um, and how I just needed, I needed mentors. Like I needed someone to tell me like, it's gonna be okay. Yes, you are still making a difference. I know that there's kids that threw crayons across the room, but like, that's okay, that happened to me too. <laughs> like you are still making a difference and there are gonna be kids that are, they are better off because of you. And I really needed to hear that at the time. And I feel like now um, in our positions and what Adam and, are doing, and I are doing now, we've kind of shifted that towards, you know, we're writing a book about tech coaches because we've 
uh, had a lot of people ISTE that that have uh, benefited from our message, and so now we want to support them because that's a hard job to go into the first year as well. So I feel like all of the things I went through gave me empathy for those going into something different, like especially a new role first year. And so uh, that has helped my passion in reaching those teachers that, uh, and educators, whatever their role that are, that are struggling. Yeah, you know, what really stands out to that story is that you applied for that job at uh, Tulare County and you didn't quite understand what it was, but that didn't deter you. Right. Ooh. And, and, and I think, I think a lot of teachers uh, either second guess themselves or put themselves lower on a pedestal than they should be. And they, they convince themselves, I shouldn't apply for this job or I'm not good enough for this job. And, 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 and I think that's incorrect. I think a lot of us uh, really don't have this mindset of, you know, we're great at what we do. We have this mindset of, eh, we're okay. I'm sure there's other people out there that are way better. And so we kind of have that idea when jobs are posted, you're like, you know, I, I might like this job, but I'm sure there's better people out there. But, uh, you know, knowing, telling educators your story and saying, you know what, go for it, right? The worst that can happen is that you don't get the job, right? Go for it because you are better than you think you are. You are more innovative than you think you are. You're a, 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 a more go-getter than you think you are. And I think educators need to hear that story because, you know, if, 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 if you love being an educator, if you love being in the classroom and that's what you want to do for the rest of your career, awesome. But if you want to go into that next level, that tech coach level, that director level, that administrative level, you know, and you're second guessing yourself, don't second guess yourself. If you want to do that, if you have that passion to do that, go for it, go for it. Because like, like I said, you, you, we always, we always put ourselves lower than where we think we are. And uh, I, I think, I think you are more amazing then you give yourself credit. Um, and that's for everybody. So Kat, thank you so much for that story. It's, it's really inspiring. So I thank you very much. And knowing that you and Adam are, are, are married now, you got married at a technology conference, fall Q. And um, I mean, it's just like the perfect storm, right? It, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's the great thing to show that, you know, the, the world's going to knock you down. Um, but if we have the perspective of being knocked down prepares us to being lifted back up, um, and then knowing that there's somebody out there that will help help us along our journey, I think it really gives power to the idea that you know, just keep going through life and you're going to make that difference. As long as you have the the goal to make a difference in education, to change the world from the ground up, then I, I think we're all the better for it. So thank you so much, um, you know, Atticat, as as you're known on the Twitters. Thank you so much for your journey, um, Corey. I want to I want to hear from you, Corey, because. Uh, I, you know, before we actually went live, you were talking about how you worked at Apple and I was kind of wondering to myself, does that mean he was, you know, an Apple employee first and then moved into teaching or, you know, was he just doing that on the side because he needed to make some extra money his first few years teaching? So I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I started working at Apple when I found out that my wife was pregnant with our first child and, uh, you know, trying to teach, you know. You know, been teaching a while, but it's, it wasn't enough, and so I, you know, really wanted to support my family. She wanted to stay home with the baby and stuff like that, and I figured I might as well get something that I enjoy doing. Um, and uh, ended up in, you know, being a trainer, um, doing you know a lot of stuff like that. Um, because I was a teacher, they were like saw that um, I could teach and help people with the new computers and phones and things like that. So it was a lot of fun. I I really enjoyed it. But then just life got busy and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, my origin story um, is, uh, you know, started off 
back in 92, uh, teaching, uh, my first few years were really, really bad. I mean, I got bounced around. I, I got laid off at my first 30 days. Um, they said, Oh, we never lay anybody off. Don't worry about it. It's a temporary contract. We'll, we'll, we'll pick you up. Don't worry. And yeah, 28 days later, they said, yeah, we don't have enough students. Uh, you don't have a job anymore. Um, ended up uh, doing like a mid-year kindergarten kind of position for half a year, long-term subbing for a little bit, um, just here and there, and then just bounced around um, all over different grades. Um, finally got my feet, you know, in middle school um, and I've been doing that ever since. But uh, <clears throat> I think the best story is that you know, when I when I first started teaching, I was the default teacher. I was that one that just, you know, I went by the book, reading these pages these days, we're answering these questions on this day, we're going to do this. Um, <clears throat> hundreds and hundreds of copies and workbooks and pages and grading and red pen and all that stuff like that. So I was the default teacher. I was that worksheet teacher that I now like try not to get anyone to be. But uh, for years and years and years, I was that kind of teacher. And I decided that, you know, maybe I should start presenting. Maybe I should start doing some stuff. I was doing a really cool, like, interactive uh, slideshow with uh, Google Slides, you know, kind of choose your own adventure thing. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll present. Uh, my very first presentation uh, was a local little tech fest kind of thing. Um, my first session was after lunch in a room, in a classroom, that the projector was so dim that I had to turn the lights off. And if you've ever been to a conference, you know that the session after lunch in a dim room with the lights off didn't go so well. Um, of the three people that were in the room, two fell asleep. Uh, one was, you know, kind of interested. And I was going through my slideshow. I was just going through the, you know, the, the screenshots. And yeah, I didn't, didn't really feel the, the excitement, enthusiasm. Um, my second presentation, same thing. It's, here's the screenshots. Here's what I do. Um, it wasn't anything interactive. You know, it was a sit and get, which is what I was doing in the classroom too. And, um, that second conference, the presentation I did, um, I got a lot of negative feedback. Um, they sent me the, the feedback form um, that people fill out, which you know I appreciate. But at that point, I was like, do I really want to keep doing this? Is this something I really should be you know, pursuing? Um, it could, I mean, it could have easily just been one of those moments you're like, I give up, I'm done. I've had two bad presentations. I'm, this is not something people want to do. And I was like, dang. This is not what I want to do. And then I started, then I went to a Q Rockstar. Um, and I saw the way that they presented at the Q Rockstar. Um, and I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. I listened to this person for five minutes and then they had us blogging. They had us actually on the computers, on Blogger, doing a blog. You know, even if it was just for practice, they had us doing the stuff. And that was that kind of turning moment. Um, and it was, um, Joe Wood, Jennifer Klosko, um, it was one of the first few rock stars that the, had came out. And I, I kind of said, said to myself, I was been presenting like I was teaching. My kids were bored. My attendees were bored. There was no motivation. There was nothing hands-on. They didn't walk out with anything. And I'm like, why would I want to do that to my sixth and seventh graders um, during this time? I think that was that that dark, deep moment that was like, wow, um, I need to make some changes, both as a presenter and as a teacher. And then I started um, just learning, learning everything I could, um, trying everything. Uh, I never stopped learning and um, started presenting more and more and actually doing hands-on stuff. And then, you know, 
found my niche, found my PLN and got on Twitter. And for the first few months of Twitter, I was just watching, just looking around. And, but I started following people, um, started getting into the Q, um, uh, California Ed chat, the Q chats, the things like that. And just started diving deep into that and asking questions. Um, and kind of got to where I am now. And so, but it took that dark time that, that the district wasn't supporting me. I wasn't interested in doing anything other than what was default. Um, and I still remember, I have a picture of this um, that I present when I do the, how I changed my classroom through technology. There's a picture on my, of my desk um, with a laptop, which I never used, but it was a stack of probably about 200 sheets of, um, uh, packets. And I had had this brilliant idea that I was going to have different versions of this final exam, this like three page packet, um, in science. I was gonna have four different versions. Uh, I was going to grade each one of them. They're going to get another version and, you know, just, but the stacks of paper on my desk and me sitting there late at night, six, seven o'clock at night, grading these things with a red pen. Um, then, and then I hand them back and the kids didn't care. They're like, Big whooping deal. I get, you know, it's a bunch of red pens. Um, I think that was that moment that kind of unleashed that superhero in me that said, I can't have my students doing this anymore. And um, it took several bad presentations and bad reviews and, you know, students running out of my classroom as fast as they could to make, to make that change, to find those people that helped inspire me. Um, you know, the, the Joe Woods and the John Crippos and the, the whole QPLN basically um, really inspired me to make changes both in my classroom. Um, now it's all about choice and giving students that voice that they never knew they had. Um, and then I do the presentations that way too. Like, let's walk out with something that you can use in your classroom. And um, that's kind of how I made my changes through that whole PLN um, and accepting the fact that I was not doing very well. And then that reflection that made that change for me. Excellent. Thank you, Corey. And that's, that's amazing. Just, be, just because, you know, we, we go into teaching sometimes and we have this idea of how we should do it. And then just knowing that you realized what I'm doing is not working. My kids aren't engaged. They don't like being in my classroom. What can I do differently? And knowing that you, you had that hard look at your career and made that shift, not because of yourself, but because you know it was needed, I think it's an amazing story for teachers because sometimes, you know, teachers are in a department that they do it a very particular way. And being that odd person out, like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do any more packets. I'm not going to do that anymore. And, and saying and moving off can be, can be scary. And, and so knowing that you just took it and said, you know what, I have to change. Um, I, I think, you know, should be a, a great uh, way that educators out there listening um, should be looking at what they're doing. I think Dave Burgess says, you know, uh, something about, you know, if the if the bell rang and the kids don't have to be there, would they still be sitting in your class or would they leave? And yeah. I, I think I always I always did that same thing. I would think, you know, am I teaching in a way where the kids want to be here or just have to be here? And I, I think you making that shift, uh, you, I think you really took that to heart. Yeah, I think, you know, if the students could have a choice of where they went, uh, so, you know, I teach middle school. So I mean, it's like, if they had the choice, would anyone sign up for my class? And the first like 10 years of teaching middle school, nobody would sign up for my class. I mean, it was boring. Um, now I think they probably would. 
Excellent. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Corey. Jesus, what about you? You know, you're, you're, sometimes you're like an enigma, right? To me, because you, 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 in, in, in my Twitter sphere, you just appeared like a, like a, <laughs> like a 3d printer leprechaun and, and you're just doing so, so many amazing things. I, I would love to hear how you came to be, uh, this, uh, this, this great force, uh, for your students and, I, and innovation. You make me blush. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I, in, in high school, I had this teacher, uh, Mr. Henshaw, Carl Henshaw. Um, he was like my favorite teacher in high school. And freshman year, had him. Junior year, he comes to me and goes, hey, you want to be my uh, teacher's aide? I go, sure. And I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like, well, I'm here in the Valley. I don't want to do something with computers. I'm like, yeah. And I wasn't taking school serious. I was like a C student. I would ditch. I'm not, I'm going to admit it. <laughs> I used to, you know, ditch. I'm like, yeah. And he had me in, in there and he would go, Oh, um, can you explain this problem to, to the kids? I'm, I'm going to sit back for a second. And he would put his feet up and read his newspaper. And I used to get mad. I was like, what? Is that why he brought me in here? He's not doing his job. But I would catch him peeking over his paper while I was doing it. I'm like, Oh, he's keeping tabs on me. Well, one day he told me, Hey, he goes, have you ever thought about going into teaching? He goes, do you know what you want to do after high school? I go, no. And I don't know about teaching. I go, nah, I'm not that good at that. Why, why would I do that? He's like, well, I could hear when you were explaining and I saw you. He goes, you did a good job. He goes, you should think about it. And so he kind of put me down that path. But I ended up leaving San Diego State after like two years. I just quit school when I started working. I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do this anymore. I'm tired of school. I didn't like it. I was like, yeah. And so I was a dispatcher for like 10 years, maybe a little bit longer. And that, that's the job where I met my wife. Um, she already had our daughter. Um, that's my stepdaughter. But, you know, I've been raising her since she was five. And then um, my son came along. And so I was like, oh, I need a career, not a job. And... In between there, I had studied game design for a couple of years. I left that also. So I was like, man, I keep quitting stuff. I was like, you know what? I need something now. Post office has a career. Something, you know, where I'm like, I don't need a degree because I didn't want to go back to school. I'm like, and I had quit. They probably won't let me back in. I have to start all over. I kept thinking about it as, as a time thing. And I went and took a test for the Border Patrol. Like aced it. Got like a 94%. And I'm not trying to brag because... The follow-up part, I did not ace, trust me. So they interviewed me on the spot, and I didn't have the mentality of it. And they gave me different, like, scenarios, and they're like, well, if you do that, you know, you're not, you're, you know, you're putting the people that you're chasing in risk at risk. They could die. They're like, now nah, you're putting yourself at risk. I'm like, it's like this weird game of Dungeons and Dragons because they would tell me the situation, and then they would add something after I answered. And afterward, the guy goes, um, he goes, well... He goes, maybe you should take some classes, he goes, to kind of get a better understanding. He goes, but are you sure this is what you want? I'm like, well, I need a job. He goes, but is this what you want? And it just stuck in my head. I'm like, well, what is it that I want? And so I, I live like an hour and a half from San Diego. So I had driven up to San Diego for that, for that uh, exam and the interview. And I was super, super frustrated, upset, angry, you name it. So I called my wife. I'm taking like some back road with uh, using the GPS and like I'm in the middle of nowhere and I call her. I pull over on the side and I'm like pissed. I'm so mad at myself. I'm like, man, this is I had the chance. I had 
basically they're just going to do a background check. And I was like, I got it. Um, if I got in the interview. So I talked to my wife and she goes, well, what about teaching? You had wanted to do it. You talked about it before. I'm like, no, you know, I, I quit. They probably won't let me back in. She goes, call. What's the harm? I'm like, all right. So that Monday I call um, our community college, IBC. I'm like, you know what? This is what I want to do. They're like, yeah, we can, you know, get you started, you know, in the fall. And then I call San Diego State. So we have a, a sister here in uh, Calexico. And I talked to the guy there and he's like, yeah, well, let me see. He goes, well, when did you want to start? I go, well, I'm going to take a couple classes at, at IBC first to get started. He goes, you know what? Give me the paper by Friday. And it was like Wednesday. He goes, get it to me. And he goes, you can start in January. Perfect. I'm like, all right. And in my head, I'm like, man, I need something now because at the Navy base, it works by uh, contract, and our contract was going to change. I told my wife, I have this feeling we're going to get laid off. I was right. We got laid off December 23rd, and I'm like, man. She's like, well, do we just return the presents? I'm like, what? The kids already saw them under the tree. I'm like, no, but it was a tough decision. I'm like, well, we're going to get money. So I, uh, we went on unemployment, and I wrote it out because like, well, my classes don't really go with the schedule that I had before, so there's no conflict. So I loaded up like on seven classes and then another six until it was about to run out. And then I, by luck, my old job called me back. But they had me at a different shift. I was working the graveyard shift and then overnight, and I was mad because I had the most experience. I thought, well, they'll pick me up. And I kind of got overlooked. Um, they picked somebody that they knew that had no experience, had never worked there before. And my wife's like, everything happens for a reason. Don't worry. She goes... And stop stressing about how long it's going to take. She goes, the time will pass. She goes, if you just don't do anything, she goes, the time's still going to pass. Might as well. So it actually worked out because most of my classes were in the morning. So I would go to school, two or three classes during the day, run over and work eight hours till about 1130 at night, come home, rinse and repeat. So I'd be up like at seven. Then we had a baby also. So that's what I did. And when I did my student teaching, I was working. So I would go teach all day, run to the Navy base, which is like 15, 20 minutes away, work eight hours. Sometimes they would let me leave in between a shift to go take a class. So, I mean, I was burning both ends and then I cut it in the middle and started burning it down in the middle too. I mean, it was like, yeah, I was all over the place. So I'm almost done and my son turns two and we're like, you know, he doesn't talk. And it really got to me because I felt like, you know what? I'm going to be this teacher. He doesn't talk. You know, I'm a failure. But, I mean, he has autism and he's ADHD. And it was like a turning point for me. I'm like, you know what? I need to do something different with him. And that's been my philosophy because of him. And I'm getting a little choked up because um, I hardly really talk about it. Um, he, he's the reason I teach how I teach. He, um, cause he doesn't like the traditional classroom. He comes home and he's like frustrated cause it's worksheets. It's, you know, let me talk 40 minutes. You guys shut up. Don't interact with each other. So when he comes home, his real learning starts because he has access to everything that I do. So everything I've ever used, he used it first. And that's when I saw him talking more. He eventually started talking around four years old. But then I would see him get frustrated at school. And I'm like, you know what? 
I know he can't be in my class because I don't know where I'm going to end up. But I'm like, you know what? Every kid that's like him shouldn't be like that. So uh, because of him, and I mean my daughter too, but his was a big uh, like like focal point for me. Um, going after that, I mean, I started teaching math my first year. And I was like, okay, a multiple subject. I'll, I'll teach math. And I bombed really bad. I was like, nah, I'm going to get sent back out of here. Here was my chance. I blew it. Same thing. Um, I had tears in my eyes during my evaluation. I'm like, man, I was just so like worked up. And my principal, I had done my student teaching with her. And she goes, no, no, no. She goes, don't worry. She goes, I pulled you for a multiple subject to try this. Don't worry. She goes, we'll put you like fifth or sixth grade. Well, I know you're good. Don't worry. And I had an awesome principal the next year. And she goes, hey, they're having this conference right here at uh, IBC, the, the community college. She goes, want to go check it out? I'm like, sure. Yeah, let's see what it is. And it was a rock star event. And they had a bunch of awesome people. I went to some awesome sessions. And that's where... Um, and I had already known him from before, um, Asasion Reyes. He's like Mr. Arduino. He does all kinds of awesome stuff. Um, and I was like, well, Arduino? I'm like, you know, like, I studied computers. Let me see what this is. And I just asked him, I go, how do you use this in the classroom? He goes, if you learn it, he goes, as a teacher, he goes, you'll figure it out. You'll say, you know what? I know where I can apply it now because I know what it does. And he had a 3D printer. And I was like, wow. I go, so what can this do? And he, you know, he made keychains for us. I'm like, but could you do this? He goes, yeah, could you do it? And that was it. I was all in after that. Um, the other person that was like a big turning point was John, John Carippo. Um, I had probably been to a couple of conferences, but then I went to Q because we were going to present because we were going to be a one-to-one -one school and we we're going to talk about that. So I'm walking and they're like, can you talk for like 20 minutes? I'm like, sure. And I, I go and I'm walking and I see um, Leroy's big idea. But I didn't know what it was. I was an idiot. So I'm like, what? And I'm like, what is this? And I just saw him and, and somebody else. And I saw his Twitter handle. I had no idea who John was. So I tweet at him and I had barely used Twitter. I'm like, eh, I use it here and there. And I'm like, hey, if you want to see a finalist for next year, I'm like, I'll enter. I thought, you know, it's like Shark Tank. I'll come up with some kind of lesson. I'm like, hey, oh, you know, you want to see a finalist? He's going to be presenting at, you know, over here at this time. And a buddy of mine, by the time I get there, she goes, hey, she goes, did you tell John you were going to win that thing next year? I'm like, well, I go just, it looked like a cool thing. She goes, do you know what that is? I go, not really. She goes, do you know who he is? I go, he's like the announcer, right? He's just the announcer. I'm like. She goes, no. She goes, he's up there. She goes, he's like number two or three in charge of Q. And I was like, what? She goes, this whole conference thing? She goes, that's who you tweeted at that you were going to win. So when the time came, my wife's like, you better come up with something awesome. And I did. And then I started using Twitter more. So when I showed up for, for that presentation, I mean, I saw Adam there. And, you know, she's my language, but I was like, oh, shit. These people are like for real. And I'm over here, this dummy, you know, I didn't know what, I, th that was honestly the second time I had presented. And I was like, I'm going to just suck here. I'm like, I'm going to just crash and burn. And Kim ended up winning. And we've all seen Kim. She's amazing. And I was, I was sour. I'm not going to lie. I was bitter about it. I was like, nah, I should have won. I thought mine was better. I was like, nah. But then I walked in, I'm like, you know what? At least I got something out of it, some experience. And John grabbed me and goes, hey, he goes, if you had one of that extra money, what were you going to do? And I told him my ideas. I'm like, oh, I wanted to do this with VR 
maybe get another printer. I have one that I got donated. And he goes, whatever you do from now on, he goes, tag me. And I'm like, sure, but he's important. I'm like, he's not going to care. I'm like, yeah. But just little by little. And, and that opened a lot of doors. And then I was like, you know what? I need to keep using Twitter. And I did for a while. And last summer, I had kind of like just stepped away. I'm like, I'm not going to really present anymore. I'm happy where I'm at. The school I'm, ha- I'm at, I'm happy with. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to trash where I'm at, but there was a change in mindset here because I was told, oh, we want what you're doing. And then it changed. So I told my wife, you know what? I can't ever stop presenting again. I can't stop putting myself out there because if I get complacent, you know what? And they change what they want. Guess what? I can't go and say, hey, look at me. You know, I'm this awesome teacher. So I amped it up and that's what this last, you know, like year has been. I just been, that's why it just like magically appeared to you, Joe. Because <laughs> uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to hit it, hit it hard. I didn't even have a thousand followers a year ago. And now I think I'm at 2000 and that's not to brag. I mean, I'm just, you know, kind of saying like, you know, th- this is how much I pushed it forward. And it's opened a lot of doors, but yeah, it all goes back to, I needed a job, but I didn't know I was going to love it this much. And then when I saw that, everything was shifting and the impact it had like on my son when I would have him do things at home like use robots use like play-doh touch um the first time we tried that out he did it just hearing him talk and explain things I was like you know what all this stuff works I just have to get it in my hands and yeah basically that and I started very late in life I've been teaching this is my fifth year I'm finishing so I don't know if I had been teaching at 22 or 23, if I would have been a good teacher. I don't know if I'd still be the same teacher. Maybe I would have just been like, you know what, eh, it's a job. I think being older and having that, that pressure of I have kids, I have my wife, you know, I have to make it. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I, I was like a C student because I just skated by. Um, I would push myself. I'd have my son next to me on the bouncer and I'd fall asleep next to him and he'd fall asleep on the bouncer and my wife would come wake us both up because I'd be like rocking him and studying rocking him and studying and i'd fall asleep with the book in my hands and he'd be right next to me asleep in his his bouncer um but i mean i i really pushed myself after that so i don't know if, if i needed i needed all that time to have you know it it wasn't it was a job at least i had a job i was lucky but it wasn't fulfilling it wasn't what i wanted and right now i mean every day i'm like oh what am i going to do next with these kids man what am i going to teach them oh, this is new. Okay, well, how can I take it and use it in my class? How can I take this and blend it? And yeah, it's it's been awesome. So that that's basically how I ended up here. That's amazing. And at least that explains how, you know, the magical leprechaun appeared almost <laughs> instantly out of nowhere. So yeah, uh, I, I, I appreciate uh, your story and I appreciate what you do for the for the kids and just your innovative spirit at going about it. And I also appreciate you being on Twitter to be able to share that out with as many people as possible because that's what's needed, right? Uh, I always, I always like to say that, you know, you know, teaching is a collaborative sport, and yeah. when when one of us wins, we all win, and when when one of us can share a win and we can replicate it, the kids win. So I, I appreciate Jesus everything that you do, and uh, you know, education is better for you being in it. Thank you, um, Kyle. Uh, I want to hear, I want to hear about you because I, I you know. If, if if you've never met Kyle, he is a very very large individual, and it, it, it looks like he would he would be perfectly fit for 
a WWE career or, or, or a football career. Um, so I, I really want to hear Kyle's story about how he stormed education and is, is changing the world. Well, the football career was something that I always wanted for a long time. I, I didn't start playing football until seventh grade. We didn't have football where I grew up really until that point. And I mean, they had flag football, but my whole thought was why, why would I play flag football if I can't hit people kind of deal. And uh, so didn't start playing football till seventh grade. And because I was always the biggest kid, I, you know, in um, grade six through grade eight was a tough part of my time in my life because, because I was so much bigger than everybody else. Um, you know, this, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you really think about it, but I got bullied a lot, you know, because I was so much bigger and I got made fun of. I was that kid, you know, this is in the mid nineties. So like, I'm, I'm really tall and, um, you know, wearing ripped jeans and flannel shirts. And, um, you know, I had this long stringy blonde hair and these, these giant glasses, whatever. So I got made fun of a lot, you know, but, um, I never got into a fight because, uh, nobody wanted to fight the, the biggest guy, you know, either. So, but um, so football was definitely a big part of my life, you know, all through middle school and then into high school, where eventually I turned that into a college thing as well. I did play football for four years in college, so um, I didn't I didn't play a lot in college. I didn't see the field a lot in college, um, you know. And then I I hurt my shoulder real bad my last year, and uh, I had a year of eligibility left. But uh, at that point, the uh, idea behind rehabbing it for one more year just uh wasn't very appealing because I was really close to being finished at that point so but going back to like my whole idea about com- becoming a teacher I for the longest time you know through middle school and early high school I thought I wanted to go into the medical field and I even was taking like Latin classes because you know so much of the medical field is based off Latin so I took two years of Latin thinking that's what I wanted to do but that kind of shifted my sophomore year in high school I had this biology teacher named Mr. Bell that um, he he had been teaching at that point close to 30 years and he was really old school. I mean, it was a lot of, um, you know, write notes down, you know, let's do the lab, you know, then we'll read and we'll do the lab, whatever. But he just, he had this really quirky sense of humor and and these mannerisms that were were just something that really stuck with me. And then he was... Um, we, we would call it OCD a little bit. Um, the, the funniest thing would be when he went to write something on the board, he would always grab a yardstick first. And he'd draw a light line on the board. And then he would write on top of that line because it always had to be perfectly straight. And then he just had, but his manners and everything were so great. And he inspired me that maybe I wanted to be a teacher instead of going to the medical field. And, uh, you know, then I had teachers after that, that same thing. There was Mr. Pintar that I had for U.S. history and Mr. Linton for government. And and the common denominator, except for Mr. Bell, with a lot of the people that inspired me, is they were all my coaches too, football, basketball, baseball coaches and whatnot. So I got a lot of inspiration from my coaches and the teachers that were my coaches and whatnot. So so in the, you know, my, my story, you know, when, when comparing to the other, and it, this isn't a competition or anything, but my story about becoming a teacher is really pretty vanilla, you know, where uh, there was a lot of adversity for many of you as you started your careers. My adversity didn't come until later on. I knew what I wanted to do right from the start. I didn't, though I changed my major once in college after my first semester, I changed it from biology education to social studies education. So I stayed within the field of teaching. Uh, I didn't, I didn't change up beyond that. And then as soon as I graduated, I got a job and I moved from Michigan to Las Vegas and I worked there 
for 13 years before I moved into the position I'm at now and in the Reno Carson City area. But my adversity came about year four or five when I was working at a school where, you know, I, I don't want to trash people. I don't want to mention names. I don't want to trash school or anything, but it, it was not a place I wanted to be. And I, I was getting really frustrated uh, about what was going on there. It was it was getting to the point where everything was micromanaged and lesson plans. You were expected to be not just in the same spot as the other teachers that you worked with. You know, if you're teaching World War II at the time, everybody had to be on that. The The supervisor wanted us all teaching it the same way even. So like if you're going to show this video, every teacher is going to show this video. And it, it was just, it was really frustrating how micromanaged everything was. And then we also had, this could be a whole episode one day. This would be a great debate on minimum F policy, where the the expectation was that if a student, even if a student didn't even attempt an assignment, they got a 50% automatically, which you know, I, I have some very strong feelings against how the minimum F policy was implemented. And like I said, we could have an entire episode on this someday, but I got to the point where I, I didn't think I wanted to teach anymore. I, I was starting to debate what could I do that was not in the field of education. And at the time living in Las Vegas, you know, there was, there were some different options, but at the same time, it was right around the time of the uh, crash of like 07, 08. So unemployment, you know, nationally unemployment, you know, had to hit like 11, 12% or whatever. But in the Las Vegas area, we're talking, it's like 17, 18%. And there just, there wasn't anything available. And, you know, the fact that I still had a job, you know, was kind of a miracle. So I, it, it was just, I, I was toughing things out. I was going to work every day, just miserable. And the minimum F policy, I felt had lowered the expectations for students to the point that even the good students were like, yeah, screw it. Why am I going to do this um, when I can just get, get a grade automatically for it? So there was just no motivation for anybody. And then around this time too, was when my brother, he had uh, been serving in the military. He was in the army. He had joined in 04 and this is early 2010. He had just returned from a second tour. He had done 15 months in Iraq, and then he had done 12 months in Afghanistan. He had been home for about a month, and uh, I get a phone call. It was finals week that my brother had died. They had found he did not report for uh, drill one morning on base, and they went to his apartment. and They found him dead. And you know, long story short, it ended up uh, being he had died of pneumonia. He his lungs had filled up with fluid in his sleep, and he uh, choked on it, and he died. And uh, that sent me into, you know, an even further spiral. You know, I was already unhappy in my job, and now, you know, I lose my brother, who's only 25 years old. And, you know, that I, I went into a fit of just destroying myself physically. Just, um, you know, I was eating terribly, and um, I was drinking heavily. I was drinking, you know, five, six nights a week. You know, and then, you know, just, you know, wash, rinse and repeat doing the same thing every day. And, um, you know, I told myself, I go, you know, something, something has to change here. There, there has to be something that's got to happen for me to change if I'm going to continue to do this. So, um, I had gotten a call from a friend of mine that she had been working at this school that had opened the year prior or a couple of years prior this, um, tech Academy. She goes, you know, you should uh, come over here. You know, it's a really great place. So I interviewed there and, you know, about a month after my brother had passed and uh, they they offered me a job. And I basically told myself at that point, I go, if 
if I go to this school and things don't get better for me, then I'm going to consider doing something else. And at the time, the thought was, you know, I'll go to the police academy and, you know, go become a Metro cop or something like that in Las Vegas. So, but luckily what happened was I got into a school where I felt appreciated again. I had freedom to teach how I wanted to teach. I mean, there were still expectations where, you know, if you're a U.S. history teacher, you know, you want to be around the same spot or whatever, but there wasn't these restrictions on how to teach things. I didn't feel like I had someone over my shoulder the whole time, you know, big brother just watching over me the entire time. And like within months, like my whole outlook had changed. And then um, in the beginning, I still was struggling quite heavily with my brother's death, you know, but then, you know, some you know, different things started to happen with that too and changed. And, um, you know, another story for another day. Um, I didn't come to grips with my brother's death really until about probably a year and a half ago, um, where I finally, you know, talked to a therapist and, and got through some stuff with that too. Uh, so, but, um, you know, and then because of the opportunity I had at this new school that I was at, I started to open myself up more, and sharing a lot more. And that's when I started to do presentations. You know, I had been an early adopter of different Google stuff or whatever. And my districts, you know, they needed people to train. And I started doing presentations. And then then it was ed, um, ed tech team events where I started attending those and presenting those. And then, you know, then I went to my first Q Rockstar, which I think is really funny that a, real, a common denominator amongst all, a lot of us is our first Q experience was a Q Rockstar um, and how that really kind of changed our lives. And, you know, shortly after that Q Rockstar, then I'm being asked by the Q Nevada board, um, you know, you should come on board with us and help us out. So I joined the board and then now I've been vice president with them for several years. And, you know, I've, I've met all these great people. Like I, everybody in this conversation right now, I have met all of you in person and I consider all of you friends now. And had it not been for, just the horrific stuff that I went through as an educator and on a personal level, you know, I, I would have never met you guys and, you know, or the other people that are part of my network now through, through Twitter, through Q and all that other stuff. So, you know, like, you know, Adam, you started this whole thing out talking about how every, every superhero has that dark moment and total spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Endgame yet, you may want to mute it at this point, you know, but you know, Thor has a really, you know, he really struggles with the fact that Thanos snapped his finger, kills half the universe, you know, and then he makes a mistake, you know, in killing Thanos. And then the depression he goes into turns him into just a slob where he's just eating and drinking. You know, that kind of brings flashbacks to me from a few years ago, too. But in the end, you know, Thor overcomes that and becomes the hero once again. And I like to think that we all have these stories where we all had to go through adversity. We all had these dark times, you know, and we got through them. We overcame them and we are where we are today now. So I, I really appreciate how you were talking about Thor and made that analogy because, you know, it, it, throughout the entire MCU series, he's an individual. He does everything almost by himself. He has a couple of sidekicks every once in a while, but he does things by himself. And you see how that ended, right? He was in kind of this depression and, you know, when he was able to work with the team and at the end of Avengers, he joined the team guardians of the galaxy. And so he kind of found his niche, you know, maybe a group of people he didn't think he would belong to, but now he's going to be aboard their ship and travel with them. So we always end up somewhere we may not expect, but 
um, we should always end up with the people that make us the best person we can possibly be. And if I'm going to make my my comparison to Thor again as me as Thor, I want a sidekick like Rocket that I can just give a hard time all the time too. So because that's uh, that's just good fun right there. That's amazing. Well, thank you, Kyle. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, sometimes we when we all get together, we we talk about you know all of our wins and we talk about our innovations and stuff, but we don't really get to dig deep into you know this is how I came to be. So I appreciate you you know talking us through it. And I know there were some things in there that could bring up some bad memories but once again just common trend you know those memories are what make us who we are today and those those decisions and those paths led, led us to this position um so i think that's you know kind of an amazing journey well and what really has helped me along the way too is that i used to bottle that kind of stuff up and i'm um, talking about it more definitely helps me out and then um like adam and cat i am actually in the process of writing a book right now too um where it's kind of a memoir thing but the whole idea behind this memoir is that it's about risk taking and the consequences of risk taking and why we should all do it so i'm in the process of working on that and that whole story with my brother that's definitely going to be an integral part of the whole story and the idea behind taking risks as well so Excellent. We can't wait to to read that. Um, you know, my my, my story. You know, I, I want to kind of say, you know, it's 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 kind of vanilla as well. Um, except there, you know, there's there's a lot of people that kind of steered me in a direction that I needed to go instead of the direction that I was going. Uh, growing up, I really looked up to my grandfather. He uh, he uh, was 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 in the army and he was in World War II and he he came back and he started a family. And he really didn't have a job. And he was kind of like, he did odds and ends to make things, make things work. Um, and he took risks um, for his family. He, he tried to start a, a TV repair business that didn't work. Uh, uh, when, when things got really bad, he started um, going to underground poker games, uh, playing against the uh, Armenian mafia in, in Fresno, uh, Fresno Reedley area. And, and that's how he started making money. But, you know, he knew he had three daughters and a wife and he knew he had to do something. And so he went off and started picking grapes um, at at the, at the local winery. And um, just through his mentality, he, he would always tell me growing up, he would always say, never tell people what you think they want to hear. Tell them what they need to hear. And he goes, regardless, regardless of how they take it, at, at least you, 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 you're being true to who you are. And so he ended up, you know, with that mentality, working his way up from a great picker uh, to a supervisor um, to um, leader of a, a entire winery walkout to where they had to fly in Julio uh, Gallo to the Fresno plant. And they had to talk about how they were going to bring everybody back to work and how my grandpa was going to be an integral part in that. And long story short, he and Julio Gallo became really good friends and he, he Gallo knew that my grandpa would tell him how it was. And my grandpa ended up becoming a vice president of Gallo wine through all of that. And my grandpa would always tell me, he goes, this cannot happen anymore because education is key. And he didn't have past an eighth grade education. He goes, my, my job is to ensure that my grandkids um, uh, have a job that makes them happy but also they, they become the best at that job that they possibly can. And that always stuck with me. No matter what I do, my job was to become the best that I possibly could. And so when I became a server during college, I became like the lead server. I mean, you never think of there being a lead server at a Denny's, 
but I became a lead server at, at Denny's. Um, and then I, I go, you know what? I want to move up from Denny's. So I started working at a, a restaurant called Claim Jumper. And I became a lead server at Claim Jumper. And for a while there, I thought the restaurant business was going to be my career. And then I really thought to myself, like, really, did I, did I do all, you know, am I going to college and, and, and all this stuff to become a, a manager at a restaurant? And um, during this time, one of my buddies from high school, he was a year older than me. He said, hey, why don't you apply for a job that I'm leaving? I, I'm actually a, a line coach at, at our old junior high school. And I'm, I have to leave for my job. So uh, why not have you take it over? You could be the defensive line, offensive line coach. I'm like, okay. And so I started coaching football for my old junior high back in 2001. And um, that was my first foray into even thinking that I wanted to do anything with education. And throughout college, I was doing um, genetics, biology, physiology, anatomy, genetics. And I thought I was going to become like a, a gene splicer, right? Designer babies, you know, putting gills on people so they could swim underwater, all this crazy stuff. And um, as time went on, you know, more and more people started saying, hey, you're doing a really good job with these kids. You're doing a really good job, you know, as a coach. Um, why don't you go into education? And I'd said, you know what? I, just being a teacher was not something that I, I thought of. And they go, well, you're, you're really good with these kids. Why don't you become a, a sub? for right now. Just become a sub for a while and see how you like it. And I started subbing and I, I really liked it. And I, I just liked being able to, that dynamic conversation between the students and myself. And then I started coaching wrestling at an elementary school and the elementary wrestling coach, his name was Erie Gira. And after a couple of years, he goes, no, you have to become a teacher. He goes, you're the exact kind of person that needs to be in the classroom. He goes, I know you, 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 you don't think that's your path, but I'm going to write you a letter of recommendation right now. He goes, and I'm not going to date it, but I'm going to write you a letter of recommendation. And if you think about becoming an educator, use it. And it just so happened that a year after he did that, he actually died of cancer, something really quick. Um, he had cancer in his leg and they tried to get it out. And we just got a call saying he didn't make it. And I, it really shook me a little bit because he, he really resonated with me. And, and I had that letter of recommendation and I said, I'm going to do it. And so I applied for uh, my teaching credential at Fresno State uh, and went through that program and, and actually uh, did my internship at my old junior high out to Sierra. And um, it was during the same 2007, 2008 uh, crisis, and there were no teaching jobs anywhere. And it was funny. It just so happened that my master teacher that I was working with at the junior high, he ended up getting a job as like the energy czar of the district. Um, he was supposed to go around and try to find ways to lower costs of energy. And he goes, um, I know you're not done with your credential yet, but I'm recommending you to take my spot. And this was like uh, November. So two, two months already into the school year. And I ended up getting hired as uh, a science teacher at my old junior high. And uh, that first year, I think I lost more hair than I ever had in my entire life. I went from a nice, nice head of hair to a big bald spot on my head and I would go home every single night. And when I would wash my hair, I would look in my hands and there was hair just falling out because I was just so nervous. Um, I think a lot, like a lot of you, when, as, as I was growing up, I was always an introvert. Um, I, I never thought what I had to say had any meaning to anybody. Um, I didn't like to be outspoken and to be in front, be a teacher in a classroom that was really uh, nerve wracking to me. 
And um, it, it, I really, you know, I, I think everybody had the same uh, kind of idea when they get in the classroom, they look around and they go, you mean I'm the adult in this room? Like they're putting me in charge of all these kids. I was, I was super nervous. Um, and the department I was in, they said, you know what, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna take you a couple of years to get your bearings. Don't reinvent the wheel. Here's everything that we have. And it was all packets, all packets, all worksheets. And for the first two years, that's what I did. All worksheets, all packets. There was no joy in the classroom. I mean, we joke around, but when, when I handed out work, it wasn't like, yay, we get to do work. And it, 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 it really, it, I, I really had a, a struggle with the idea of why am I doing things the way that my past teachers did that I didn't like? Why, why am I recreating an experience that I was like, this is boring. Why am I recreating that boringness for my students? And that's when I started dabbling with technology. Um, I saw my students, this was, you know, 2008, 2009 now, and everybody was bringing in these iPhones and they always wanted to use them. And they were always trying to, you know, sneak a text or sneak a, a thing under the table. So I'm like, why not use these? So I said, okay, new policy. If you, uh, if you have a cell phone, take it out, put it on your desk, just like it's a book. And we're going to start using this. And so we started using Socrative, Poll Everywhere, all of these tools that were around for the web around that time. And I just started seeing a huge difference in my classroom. And I go, wait a minute, this actually is working. I'm actually getting information instantly from my students that I, I would normally, you know, you know, have to get a paper back and grade it to see what they missed and what they didn't. Now I'm getting that instantaneously. And so I brought it up to my principal and I said, hey, I'm doing this in my classroom. And he basically said, well, district policy is no cell phones uh, on campus. So if they're using them, you have to take them away. And so I was like, uh oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, but I told the kids, I go, don't tell anybody we're using cell phones in the classroom. Let's keep it on the down low. This is something special. If anybody says anything, we're going to all get in trouble. And so they really, you know, kept it on the DL. And we, I, I started collecting a whole bunch of data showing the improvements that my kids have. And then I presented it to my principal. And he's like, okay, I like this. Well, let's bring it up to the board or let's bring it up to the district and ended up changing the policy to, um, it, you know, uh, teacher discretion, as long as it's for educational use. And I'm not saying I'm the one that made that change happen because there's a lot of other teachers in the district that were starting to go down this path. Uh, but knowing that, 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 that push was happening, I was extremely happy with. And just that, ability to to see the kids actually enjoying learning uh, maybe even some of them for the first time is what really took me down this path and then around this time um, one of my uh my, my fellow teachers said hey um, we're having this meetup for uh, 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 a a uh, a group i belong to called cbq and it's a social so hey, you want to come and 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 just check it out i'm like sure and so I go to this social and I don't, I don't know anything about CBQ. I don't know. I didn't know there was a technology group. Um, I, I didn't think there was a technology, anything. I just thought I was, you know, all by myself. And I go to this thing and I, and I see people there and, and John Carippo was there. Will Kimbley was there. And um, th it's, I didn't know who these people were. So I just say, hey, I'm Joe Marquez and, you know, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. And at the end, they said, we need board members. Is anybody out there? Do you want to be a board member? I'm like, uh, I don't know. And then uh, uh, another one of the people that were there for the first time was was Rebecca uh, uh, Wilkinson, and she's the president of CBQ now. And um, we both said, we'll do it. 
And so I became a board member of CBQ that night. And that lasted for about five years that I was a board member of CBQ. And it really opened my eyes up to the tribe, meaning there's other teachers out there that are trying new things to get the best and most out of their kids. And my big mindset was my cave or my department is not the end all be all of what can be done. And we, I need to really look out there deeply and see what other people are doing. And uh, my, uh, so I started trying all these things that John was showing me and Will was showing me. And I, uh, uh, some my, my learning director said, you should present at a conference. They go, we're going to a CLS conference um, in Sacramento in March, you should present. And I'm like, I don't have anything that people want to listen to. I'm like, just do it. And so I created a session called Easy Tools for Easy Teaching, just a list of tools that I use in my classroom and show them how to do it. And the room was packed. <coughs> the room was packed with people. I was sweating. I was nervous. Um, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I thought I had bombed. And the next day, somebody came up to me and said, your session was the best session I had at this conference. They go, keep it up. And my principal was there and he goes, see, if you just, if you just, if you just, if you do that for one person, then your job was done. And so I started looking into more things and John Carippo says, Hey, have you ever heard of this, uh, uh, Google teacher Academy, a Google certified teacher? I go, I, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't even know Google did a whole bunch of this stuff. And he's like, yeah, he goes, start looking into it and, um, and uh, let me know when you want to apply. And so I applied to Mountain View uh, 14 and I didn't get in. Um, and then I applied to uh, Austin, Texas uh, 14 and I ended up getting in. And the experience at that academy um, really opened my eyes because there was, uh, we, they allowed us to do these spark sessions. And one person, uh, I forget his name. I, 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 I apologize. I don't remember his name, but he stood up and he, he had the, uh, a spark session on the power of yes. He said, whatever you're asked to do, just say yes. If you're asked to do a keynote, say yes. If you're asked to do a project for your school, say yes. Just say yes. Because even if you fail, at least you've learned something. And so the very next week when I got back home, I got an email uh, from one of the administrators from the school district, they said Fresno State is looking for someone to do a TED style talk at um, at 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 a uh, Cal Better Together California conference, and uh, who wants to do it? And I emailed back, yes, I'll do it. And that changed my life. Being able to stand in front of a thousand educators and talk about what's going on in the classroom and the need um, that changed my life. And then uh, I started applying at larger conferences. And one of the conferences I applied to was a, an apps events, Google summit. And Adam was there and I got to, to meet him and, and hear what he was doing and, and, and see him on his beginning. And just over time, joining forces with amazing educators from across the United States to make a better experience for our kids just really changed my mindset of what education can be. And uh, it kind of took me back once again, full circle to my grandpa, where he said, Whatever you do, be the best at it that you possibly can. And we all know that in education, there is no period. There is no end to our education. And so to be the best you possibly can, you have to keep learning every single day. And that's what I've done. I've tried to learn something new from somebody new every single day 
to uh, add to my toolbox so that I can make a difference for any instance that 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 occurs and and to help any teacher that may have a problem. And and that's been my goal these these past few years is, you know, the mantra of MacGyver, right? You don't have to have all these different tools in your room. Let's see what you can do with what you already have. And when you do amazing things with what you already have, then you can start going to your administrators and say, look, I've done all this with what we have. I can do more if you get me more. And and I think that's key is making sure that educators know that if they try something new and 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 they can share out what they've learned, everybody is better for it. Wow, great lessons, Joe, and uh, great advice for everybody out there. And I can't thank you enough, and I can't thank everybody else that's joined us here in the clubhouse today, sharing their story. And I'm, I know we this episode is a lot longer than what we're normally used to. We normally hover around the hour mark. Um, and if you're still listening, I, I can't thank you enough for sticking around with us for this extended uh, episode here today on our heroes and our origin stories. And we would really love for the listeners to share their ideas too. We, you know, get on the Twitter and, you know, share a brief lesson or something from your story with us. Tag at Sons of Technology, Sons of Tech EDU and um, myself and Joe and everybody else here in the call today and share your story with us and where you came from. So it's uh, it's worthy of hearing. Absolutely. And, and we know there's a lot of educators out there that are new to the profession and we see that you're trying new things and we applaud you. Um, we applaud you for, for having that drive to make that difference. So we would love, like, as Kyle said, we would love to hear your story. We would love to hear where you're going and um, we would love the ability to just add, you know, share that out with the community um, at Sons of Tech EDU um, and uh, just, just hear the amazing things that you're doing for our kids um, in our communities, uh, districts, and country. And again, Adam, Kat, Corey, Jesus, thank you for coming on today, sharing your story. Um, you know, it's it's always, it feels like every time we get these together, we always learn a little bit more, um, not just from one another, but about one another too. And today was one of those that was just a great eye-opening experience. And I can't thank you guys enough for doing that today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was yeah, a good time. Definitely. Um, I'm going to put together an artwork for this. Uh, and so if, if anybody has any bitmojis that have superhero themes to them, I don't know if they still have them around, but uh, if you have any bitmojis that have superhero attached to them, send them to me so I can add that to our artwork this week. Sounds good. So, and again, listeners, we can't thank you enough for listening uh, either. So um, share your stories, take that risk, you know, enjoy the ride, just like we say every episode. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, keep taking risks and keep innovating in your classroom. Thank you so much.